it's kind of it's kind of hard sometimes to talk about but i i really think embracing vulnerability and being true to yourself uh helps in your personal growth and this is where i think it's okay to be selfish um selfish not in the derogatory sense but selfish in the positive sense meaning that uh, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others and being in the business that i'm in and living the life that i live right now uh, i really want to be able to take care of people therefore i need to embrace my past and take those lessons that i've learned and uh, find a way to maintain my positivity out of that and it's kind of kind of cheesy that i i say that but um i didn't have any health issues or anything like that but uh had a had a, had a great childhood i really must say uh, until about the age of 15 or 16 was the first time um we we found ourselves homeless living in a in a, in a 1979 brown suburban truck. That's Jamie J, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. I'm Brian Falchuk, and I have someone who is just a pretty awesome, beautiful human being on the show today. This is a guy named Jamie J. He had me on his old show a while back called Stop Riding the Pine, which I didn't know what that means. Apparently, it's a hockey thing. He's a big-time hockey fan, um, and he's he's also a player. He's an amateur hockey player, but that's not why he's on. He also started a couple of companies, a publishing business, a virtual assistant business, and he's just he's focused in all that in how he can serve others. That's not why he's on. Although service to others ties to it, Jamie's on because of what got him to this place. And if you know his background, you wouldn't really you wouldn't really guess at the success that he's had. You wouldn't guess at the kindness that he exhibits, the humbleness, his sense that it's never about him. I mean, every conversation I've had with him, it's really like, what can I do for you, Brian? Like, how can I be here for you? And there's never any sense of a need for reciprocity. And it's not to say I don't offer things back to him, but he's just not concerned with that. He really just looks at how he can be be here for others. And it comes from a place of, shockingly, poverty, homelessness, real, real struggles. Jamie grew up going through homelessness more than once, a lot of disruption in the family life. He's going to get into all of that, really get into the depths of his story, struggles with his family, uh, that sense of turmoil, needing to escape, going into the army. I mean, the list goes on. You hear the backstory and you're like, wait, how is this the same person? And that's so often what the guests in the show are about. Like you hear about what they've gone through and you don't necessarily understand how it could even be the same person, but it is. And that's the inspiration in here. And Jamie shares his path, shares the source of his inspiration, the source of his kindness, his humbleness, his focus on helping others. And it's amazing that that has helped him in response. Giving leads to getting. So we're going to jump in the episode with Jamie J. 
and I hope you find him to be as inspiring a soul as I do. Hey, Jamie J, thanks for joining me today on the Do A Day podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm, um, I got to say, I've been hoping to do this. Well, since you had me on your show and I got a flavor for your story, I was like, my show wasn't on yet, but I was like, when I get this thing up and running, Jamie's a, a given, like you have to be on because you're, your story, both the before and the and the current, are both incredibly powerful. Um, but the way they tie together, it it blows me away. Like uh, I was saying to a, to a friend who's been through a really bad recovery story and like spent time in prison and stuff. If I didn't know it was him, I would have waited for the main character to die. Like I kept expecting him not to make it, but obviously I know he does. You've got like you've got a pretty harrowing past yourself. I mean, different, but. Um, it's it's pretty amazing where you've gotten to despite all that. So I'm I'm super impressed and had to share it. Oh man. Well, I, I gotta tell you, it took a while to uh to uh figure out <laughs> what I was doing. And a lot of it was obviously brought on by myself, but a lot of it wasn't. Um so it's it's been an incredible and epic journey and continues to be every day. So yeah. do a day. Yeah, exactly. Do a day. Um all right, so can you just uh, quick high level roundup? What's what's your deal today? What are you into? What are you working on? And then um, let's start digging apart that backstory. Yeah, sure. Yeah, today I'm I'm really hyper focused on growing bottleneck virtual assistants. Uh, something I'm truly passionate about, and uh, uh, it's we we help source virtual assistants for uh, uh, people and companies and. And um, I'm excited about launching a new division in the medical industry. So we're going to be specifically uh, working with physicians and helping them uh, uh, make their private practices more profitable. So that's what we're working on right now. And for people who don't know what a VA is or virtual assistant, what's what's the gist of it? What's the uh, what is it? What's the purpose of it? And that word bottleneck stands out. I told you the other day. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I got to give kudos to my good friend, Mark Hafner. Uh, he's the one that actually came up with the name. And, and it just, it made a lot of sense because a lot of the times uh, companies have challenges growing because of a bottleneck. And that bottleneck is typically uh, the leader. Um, and they don't have systems and processes in place. And so it, a virtual assistant, to answer your question, by the way, is, is like a remote worker. So people are able to hire someone remotely and it helps save on a ton of overhead uh, from a soft cost perspective, but also the hard cost, because uh, usually you can hire someone. We so, uh, source our virtual assistants from the Philippines, and um, it's not a sweatshop or anything like that, believe me, but because their economy is, is a little bit lower uh, than the U.S., uh, you can pay someone there at a discounted rate compared to what you would pay here in the United States, and their quality of living doesn't suffer at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just a really good way for people to scale businesses, uh, save money on overhead, um, and uh, you know get good quality because all of our virtual assistants are college graduates, uh, super intelligent, unbelievable, great culture, uh, just love it. And uh, I I I practice what I preach. Uh, we are 100% remote. Uh, company here, and uh, we just love it. We're growing by leaps and bounds, and and I just wish that for everybody. How did you get into this? Uh, in 2006, actually. Um, <clears throat> so I've been doing it quite a while, or at least familiar with it for for a, about a dozen years. 
and uh, as of the time of this recording, actually. Yeah. And so what I got into it because we started an ad agency that was real estate focused in uh, 2006, and my partner was from the Philippines, but he was in the U.S. He he ran a real estate company, and we said we should do some real estate marketing for people and help them out. And I said, okay, let's do it. So we started this ad agency and we said, how in the heck are we going to be able to do this? There's all this work and we need developers and, and writers and designers. And he goes, well, let's, let's staff from the Philippines. He had some family over there and that's how we got into it. And boy, it was, it was a really quick way for us to quickly grow um, without having a big cash outlay. Yeah. Well, that's, um, I mean, those are always the best kind of, of business ideas is the ones that are born in necessity and the necessity just happened to be yours. You weren't yeah. trying to meet the market need. You were trying to meet your own need and lo and behold, and, th- and this is the business that survived, right? The, uh, you're not still doing the real estate piece. So, oh boy. Yeah. That, that's part of my, that's part of my downfall my dark, my, one, some of my dark times <laughs> of my past. Yeah. Cause 2006 was a couple of years before people stopped doing real estate if that's what they were doing. Eesh. Cause it was, yeah. So, all right, we, we got to start heading back now. So what's, uh. <laughs> What, what's the past? And, and I know there's, there's a couple of, of these uh, rocks in the road, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So I have learned a lot. Um, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard sometimes to talk about, but I, I really think embracing vulnerability and being true to yourself uh, helps in your personal growth. And this is where I think it's okay to be selfish. Um, Selfish, not in the derogatory sense, but selfish in the positive sense, meaning that uh, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. And being in the business that I'm in and living the life that I live right now, uh, I really want to be able to take care of people. Therefore, I need to embrace my past uh, and and take those lessons that I've learned and uh, find a way to uh, maintain my positivity out of that. And it's kind of, kind of cheesy that I, I say that, but, um, I didn't have any health issues or anything like that, mm. but, uh, had a, had a, had a great childhood. I really must say had a pretty good childhood uh, until about the age of, I think it was 15 or 16 at the first time. Um, we, we found ourselves homeless, living in a in a, in a 1979 brown suburban truck, oh. and uh, and uh, that was challenging. You could imagine. Jamie, who's uh, we? That so that is um, my uh, the dad that adopted me, um, who who passed away last November. Oh, wow. Um, he he was kind of he was a risk taker, I guess you could say. Um, we left Colorado for a position. He was coming out to work for somebody in California, and the job didn't didn't happen. Never never happened. So, wow. uh, yeah, that was challenging. So it was it was my uh, my dad, my mom, my little brother, me, and two poodles living in a suburban. Um, uh, we had we had moved out from Colorado to California, and and uh, he was unable to secure the new job. So we had to. Uh, go to the auctioneer when they auctioned off all of our home, household belongings. And I remember my brother and I crying and uh, we, you know, we didn't realize the effect of everything until we went that day. And you just see people buying our stuff. And it, and, and it was just that it was stuff, but 
little things like my little brother's Star Wars collection and, mm. and uh, you know, just, just stuff that we've tried to hold on to. Some of the some of the heirlooms, imagine all those. Uh, I, I don't know if you call it heirlooms, but, you know, the photos of our youth and all that stuff, it's all gone. And and so it's wow. it's really challenging. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can imagine being f- what I was probably 15. My brother was 13. Uh, yeah, it was about 1985. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was different to uh, to do that. So we, we remember driving around in this car, our truck everywhere. Well, my dad, he went to the the little discount store and bought this old like green suit. That's all we, he could afford for, you know, from the little discount store, the dollar store, whatever you call them. And uh, that's what he would wear to go on job interviews. And we would just sit in the car while he was in interviews and we'd go around and around. And occasionally he'd pick up a job, you know, driving a forklift or something like that. But he was a certified public, uh, certified a CPA. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he finally got a job and uh, we were able to finally get a place. But it, it took a good, my memory serves me, a good three to six months to get wow. that. Wow. And you were living out of your car the whole time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, I remember, uh, I think it was, I, we were staying in a, in, off of Harbor Boulevard in Anaheim, California, uh, right by Disneyland. Um, but back then it wasn't as nice as it is today. Um, we stayed at a place called the Pit Karen Motel. Every once in a while, we'd get enough money to get a motel. Um, and it was crazy because there was like drugs and you know, hookers running around. And then me and my little brother, you know, wanting to play outside and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were still teenagers, but still, it's good to get outside. And you're, you're, you know, a teenager, you got to do yeah. stuff. But we couldn't really. It was really scary. Um, and then I got a job at McDonald's. Uh, and I remember, and uh, uh, McDonald's. I'm I'm sorry for this, but um, I did steal from them. <laughs> my my mom and brother would come through the drive-through, and I ran the drive-through, and they'd order yeah. a twenty-piece chicken McNugget, and I would stuff it as full of McNuggets mm. as we could. That was our food. Yeah. And then they would throw all the burgers and stuff out at the end of the day, and then you know I'd go and grab some, but I'd also grab some for some of the homeless people around there. Um, and I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, uh, but I did. Uh, so that was crazy. So what, I'm just trying to picture, like, this is a long enough period of time. You were probably in school for part of it, or did you just not do school anymore? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't go to school anymore. And so when we find, when he finally got the job, my dad finally got the job, um, in Irvine, California, it was a really good job. Um, we lived, moved to Huntington beach. And when I went to enroll in school there, I didn't have enough credits so I tried to, my uh, parents wanted to put me into football. I couldn't go into football uh, because I didn't have the eligibility. And they actually had to put me back a year because oh. I, had, I didn't have enough credits. So I was a year older than most of the kids um, because of me going back a grade. And same with my little brother. He yeah. had to go back a grade as well. But yeah, it's, uh, it was crazy. Yeah, so we had to get back into school there. And, and I ended up uh, graduating, um, but I had to graduate in, a, in an adult school to make up the credits that I missed because I tried to make it up in school and just didn't. So did you get back on time through doing those yeah. extra? Okay. Yeah, got back on time, graduated. I graduated a little bit late. Um, I was, I don't, I don't remember, but it was like three classes or so I had okay. to take in adult school before I joined the army. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want to, I wanted to have my diploma. I didn't want to have, uh, you know, uh, Oh, I forget what you call it. 
GED. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something I want to ask you about from this period and, and, you know, to the extent that you're in touch with it or not, but I think about teenage years, um, I think for boys, it's like, we don't talk about it, but for girls, you know, there, there's a lot of angst and like fighting with your parents, or whatever. And for boys, we're just kind of there. At least that's how it was in my household. There's like two boys, two girls. Um, yeah. And it was like, there's such, um, strange, formative, difficult, awkward, like just extreme years where, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, our personalities have just suddenly exploded and they haven't really you know, like the, the, uh, the big bang and they haven't come back and coalesced into the planets that they become later. <laughs> and you're doing that in a car and moving around and then starting in a school and not, you know, not being able to keep up with the kids you were with, you know, age wise before. And like, how is all that playing? How did you feel about yourself in this process? Like, where's your, your self-esteem, your confidence, where does all that start to fit in or not? Boy, you know, that's a really good question. And as much as I try to look back on her and, and think about what I was feeling at the time, it's so hard. Um, a lot of those feelings and memories I think have been suppressed sure. to where I remember a couple things, but not too many details. Yeah. Um, when we don't, uh, maybe we don't even understand it. You know, like we don't yeah. understand what we're going through at the time. It, exactly. Exactly. You, it is, and those are impressionable years. For sure. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I think, I think you, I probably didn't have a lot of confidence. Yeah. Whereas when I was a kid, I thought I could, I thought I could do anything. And, uh, I remember, I remember being, sh- I was very shy as a kid, but I remember being even more shy. Um, I didn't like going to school events and the, the dances. I remember, uh, going to homecoming and wanting so bad to leave that I ended up leaving early and the girl got really mad and, uh, but I just, uh, I didn't feel Um, I didn't feel like I was in that space, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't that kind of kid. (laughs) Well, Jamie, what about like the survival skills that you, you must have needed to, you know, whether it's about the tough area where you guys were parking and, you know, like vigilance or, or, um, you know, any of it, even, even the stealing food and stuff like, um, and the sort of scarcity mindset, have you found yourself facing those kinds of things today? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, even the company that or companies that I've started, I've always bootstrapped them. Always. Everything's been from a point of scarcity, come to mm-hmm. think of it. Um, kind of crazy. So yeah, it was it was pretty pretty gnarly. Yeah. What um, about like debt? Have you guys have you ever started anything taken out a loan? Um just recently okay. um I did, but but um, it's pretty cool because, uh, I'm pretty close to being debt free now. Nice. Um, and, but, but again, it's like, wow, you know, I, I, it's something you totally respect. Uh, I think I have a lot different perspective on what I have today. And I don't mean, um, you know, have in the sense of materialistic yeah. things, but I have a roof over my head. Right. Like that's amazing. Yeah to me. And I think so many people take that for granted. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of one of the other things I think too, Brian, this, I I don't know. Other people that have gone through this may, may feel the same way, but I sometimes look at the kids today and, and I actually get upset when they, and, and I wish I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm just like, you don't realize how good you have it. But at the same time, 
let them be kids and let them enjoy life. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky balance. It really is. Because you want them to have those values, but yeah. you also don't want to like throw misery at them either. Or, exactly. or responsibility too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's, I think it's an ongoing challenge. Um, but yeah, I also think that's probably why, where my lack of confidence comes from. Mm. It, it was really nice um, because after uh, my dad got that job in Irvine, it was actually a really good paying job. Um, and so we moved to Huntington Beach and then we were teenagers again. I mean, we mm. raced motorcycles and we had we had fun. Um, we really went without needing. I mean, we lived a great next couple of years. Um, and then in 1989, uh, we were headed to uh, uh, a national motocross race in Oklahoma, Ponca City, Oklahoma. And just as we were going into the gates, we were there with, we had rented a motorhome and we had all our bikes in a trailer and stuff like that. We were so excited because this is a big national event. Uh, my mom got a phone call and my dad said, we have to turn around and come back. And we said, we just got here. We, you know, we got, we're, we paid, we're ready, ready to race and it's going to be fun. And, and uh, he said, no, you have to come back. And we're like, what? So we drove three days going back and found out that uh, the house that we were living in um, uh, he had not been making the payments. Oh. Um, and, and we had moved to Fallbrook at this point. And then we found out that he had been embezzling. Um, we didn't know this at the time later on, found this out that he'd been embezzling from that company and, uh, um, he got arrested. He went to jail and we found ourselves homeless again. Wow. Um, we had nothing. So we, we had, uh, we sold our bikes. We sold as much stuff as we could. Um, and, uh, at least we weren't homeless too long. Uh, we got a little home in, a, a town called Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. Um, but I remember my dad coming to visit us. Um, and then the FBI shows up on the, at the doorstep, my dad's hiding in the closet and, uh, he told us, don't say anything. And so we didn't say anything. And they asked us if we'd seen him and we said no. And so we lied <laughs> at the time we were scared. We didn't know what the Yeah, Yeah. Um, I think I was 17. My little brother was 15 at the time. God. So maybe maybe 18. No, I was probably 18 or close to 19 at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, so a little bit later, I came to find out that he he was considered armed and dangerous. They thought he had a gun, and uh, apparently he didn't. But they, they did arrest him. He went to jail for a couple of years. And uh, then, you know, we lost that home and had to move into an apartment. And then I, then I, I, I didn't want to be a burden on my mom, so I, I went and joined the army. And uh, yeah, that was that was uh, pretty crazy. One day I just decided to go join, and 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 I did it. I not so much as for me wanting to go in the army as as much as me lessening the burden on my mom, which I later found out she hated the fact that I did that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it just spirals from there. I mean, I don't know how long we have, but it's, uh, it's a crazy next couple of years. Well, take, take us there. And, and what I want to, you know, like touching on the emotional side of the first homelessness and um, the fact that I even would be able to say the first, um, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff I want to try to pick out. So it sounds like these were really um, formative character building like whatever cheesy words people use 
Um, yeah. But but huge impacts in you. And and the the one thing I just want to pause on for a second is, you know, we we've talked a few times. I've listened to your show a bunch Ooh. of times. You have this really kind, easygoing, gracious demeanor. I don't think anyone for a second would presume any sort of tumultuous or, or turmoil laden backstory behind it. No. Um, but, and that, like, that's, that's the thing I ultimately want to understand is how do you, cause so many people who go through what you went through, they probably get hardened, you know, and they're, they're mm. tough and they're accusatory and because they had to be to survive. And, and what I see in you is someone who's thankful for all that you have. And, and it's like you were saying before, not, not the stuff and things, but the, the stability, um, mm. The fact that you've been able to flourish in a lot of ways, I don't think that's lost in you at all. I think there's such an extreme gratitude for that and appreciation for it. I love, I just love pulling that from you. So you, you got to take us through the story. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. And it, you know, uh, growing up too, so, so my paternal father, um, I, I, I came to later find out was, he was a really, really, uh, he was, he was a bad drunk a <clears throat> and, you know, not a good husband and, and, I think it was five when he left and it was just so weird that, and then my, at the time, stepdad came in before he adopted us. He was so hard on me. Not, he wasn't, he didn't fuse it, physically abuse me uh, a couple times he did, but not, not bad, bad, but he was really mentally abusive. Huh. Uh, it was super, extremely intelligent fella. Um, you know, he was voted most likely to succeed in high school. Uh, he was a captain of his college football team at Cal State Fullerton. He always was very high level achiever. And boy, he just, oof, I felt very stupid around him a lot of times. And I think that that upbringing had a lot to do with how I, how I um, traversed life. And, and even though we went through these these difficult times, and I'll, I'll get into what happened next. It, I think that has a lot to do with me thinking that I never want anybody that I talk to to feel that way ever. And so maybe that's why I go a little bit overboard. Yeah. And and uh, it it is true, Brian, because people will will <laughs> to, they'll talk to me and they'll say, "Wow, you sound just like you do on your podcast." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, that's because it's me." <laughs> You know, I don't turn on the button and say, hey, welcome to the, you know, it's just, it's just me. And it's, and, and, and I have a strong appreciation for, for, for like what you're doing, Brian, and, and what you've gone through and the, the perspective or the lens that you look through in do a day and life. And and I just think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. So, so I think all this stuff, this big culmination of stuff happening, um, uh, really, really, um, set me up for, I think both failure and success. Mm. And so I, I joined the army, found out my brother got into drugs, uh, really bad. And again, my little brother and I, we were inseparable, uh, at the time. I, we may have had a couple arguments and things like that, but we never fought. Like, like we never, you know, like, you know, brothers get into that stuff. Yeah. We weren't like that. We we were just there for each other, which is a blessing. Um, incredible mother. Um, it, it, she she just she was there for us all the time. Uh, and then so I got out of the army. Um, and and it, while I was in the mar- army, I got married. Uh, and had a had a child. 
in, uh, but I got out of the army. And the reason I left the army is because my wife uh, wanted me to come home from Germany. She wanted me to spend time with her and, and the daughter. So I got out of the army instead of re-upping, staying in, that kind of thing. And I got out with $384. And the day I got out of the army, uh, she picked me up at the airport, took me to lunch, and said she wanted a divorce. And I was like, oh, no. I uh, found out she had met someone else, and uh, she just wasn't happy. And yeah. I was like, well, I wish you would have told me that. I wouldn't have got out of the army. Right. Um, so um, I, the plan was for me to stay with her and her parents while I got a job and got back on my feet. So here I am, homeless once again. And uh, I remember I have $384, so I stayed in a hotel. I stayed at a friend's place. Um, I'm down to about 60 bucks. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, I find myself I'm with a good, good friend of mine, Eric. He's one of my longest friends. I met him in ninth grade, uh, and we've been friends ever since. Um, he he's let me stay in the back of his dually <laughs> while he drove around. He he did asphalt and stuff like that. So he, I stayed in the back of his dually for two days. Wow. Um, and then he goes, Damien, just stay with me. And I was too proud. I'm like, no, I got this. And I had my my rucksack. And I had him hold on to a couple things that I owned, uh, literally a couple duffel bags worth of stuff. That's all I had. Um, and and while my duffel bags were in Germany, uh, one of the other soldiers uh, stole stuff out of my duffel bags before oh, sending yeah. them off to me. And I was just like, man, how can this you know get worse? Anyways, these are small details. So here I am walking around and uh, no money. I'm sitting outside of a McDonald's, ironically, again, a different McDonald's. And uh, I'm I'm asking for money so that I can eat. Wow. Um, and uh, lo and behold, my buddy Eric put sixty bucks in my rucksack, and uh, I found it while I was sitting on the side of the road one day. And I was like, Ah, you sucker! Because <laughs> he offered the money, and I was too proud to say yes. Anyways, longer story. I, I got I got back on my feet there, and got a job, and and finally got an apartment and all that. And uh, you know, th things were things were starting to cook cook along, and um, and, uh, yeah, we went through, uh, the next decade kind of off and on, but never really confident, um, always kind of never really saving money, mm -hmm. never really having a game plan. It was just very, I was just kind of going through the motions. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, it was really weird. It was really weird. It was, a, it was, I can't explain it. I don't know. Um, but it wasn't, it was, it was, it was just not a happy time overall. Sure. And then uh, in, in, from at the age of 21, when I got married, to the age of 32, uh, I'd been married and divorced three times. Wow. Crazy. How, um, qu how quick were the other two? Uh, the, other, the, the second one, um, I'm, I married my best friend. I wasn't in love with her. Yeah. Uh, but we were just good friends. And uh, that one got a, that one was pretty much annulled. That was that was pretty quick. It was about a year, I think, something like that. And then uh, and then I got married the third time, and uh, she left me for another woman. So wow, that was challenging. Um, but at the same time, I don't blame I don't blame her. Um, I was a mess. Uh, I had a nice job in corporate America. I was, I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't saving it. And I was just kind of going through the motions. Wow. Um, so I don't blame her. 
So I took the next 10 years of my life <laughs> and I just, uh, it was just me. I didn't date or do anything like that. Um, and I started a company in 2006 um, and that was the advertising agency. Well, then in 2008, uh, we had the financial crisis. Yeah. And, it's, and um, this is coming off the heels of probably one of the most um, challenging parts to my life, wherein I had mentioned my little brother earlier, yeah. and he, 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 was, he was by far, in a way, my best friend in the, in the whole world. And in 2005, I got a call from his wife, who was pregnant with her second child, that he had been hit uh, by a semi-truck. He was riding his motorcycle to work, so he was hit and killed. Wow. And, and so we lost him uh, 6.57 a.m., August 23rd, 2005. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, how devastating that was. And, and I was the one that had to tell my mom. Yeah, you'll never forget that exact time, ever. Oh, ever, yeah. ever. And uh, so that, that kind of really sucked. And again, threw me in a backward spiral. And, and uh, yeah, it was really, really difficult. Um, even today, you know, August 23rd is a big day for me. Um, and yeah. February 3rd is, is his birthday. And, and so there's all these twos and threes. And, you know, uh, Jesus was 33 when he passed. My brother was 33. Jesus was a carpenter. My brother was a carpenter. You know, it's just, it just, I, there's all these things that you think about and try and uh, just, it's, and it's so hard today. Yeah. You, you don't even, maybe remember too much what he looks like. Uh, but yeah, so, so you can imagine it was, it was tough. And then I started that company, of course, um, I'm, I was drinking a lot and, and not saving money again. And, and, uh, just, just not being a good person in 2008, the financial crisis hit. Yeah. And I think when you're doing stuff that's not good and you're not surrounding yourself with good people, bad things are going to happen. And I think it was inevitable that this happened. And so, uh, you know, in three months, we lost all of our clients. And here I am again, finding myself without a home. Uh, and uh, my, my mom had to take me back in at the age of 38. And I was like, geez, man. <laughs> and at that time, I'm like, why is the world so mean to me? And it was all my fault. Um, I didn't realize it. But, but you were looking at, they're doing this to me. The yeah, world is doing this to me. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Woe is me type of deal. Yep. Um, so that compounded by my brother passing, um, living at home as an adult with my parents just crushed my, it crushed everything about my confidence. And it was, uh, it was just a, I mean, it's, it's so hard for me to share this with people because, um, because I'm afraid of what they'll think. Obviously, this is not good. But at the same time, I think it's, this is one of those good selfish things. It's good for me to be able to share and tell people my story because I cannot tell you, I moved out to Missouri about seven years ago and still not in a good place. But I have to tell you, I, I just kept motoring through and for the last six years, I've been, I met the most fantastic woman. Uh, we're not married. <laughs> we're still boyfriend and girlfriend. 
but we've been together for six years, almost six years. In January 18th, it'll be six years. But she has been such an amazing rock. And together, because of her support, um, you know, I've built a great company, um, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Uh, I've been able to help so many other people. And I approach life through a completely different um, methodology to where I would have done it even 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. And I never want to be homeless again. Of course. <laughs> Jamie, I, I got to ask you, when you when you moved back in with your mom, was your, your now adoptive father, was he back in the scene? No. Because you said with your parents. So who's... Was it just so your mom my, or was there someone else? My mother got remarried. Okay. My mother got remarried. Cause, so when he went to jail, yeah. um, uh, uh, my mother was on her own for several years. And then she met met another gentleman that she knew as a child, funny enough. Oh, interesting. And, uh, so they got married. And uh, yeah, I moved back in with them. And what's, I mean, just not only to move back in, but I, my first thought was, oh God, if you're moving in with him, and knowing how he was to you the first time around, I'm sure he didn't learn humility through his experience and his incarceration. But um, he oh, wasn't. Yeah. No, it was not him. Yeah, no, okay. we yeah we we didn't really. I met I I met with him once after that. I think well, it was once. What was Maybe that like? Twice. It was really weird. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It was so weird. It was surreal. Like, I was like, hey. Uh, I didn't know to call him dad. I didn't know yeah. to, you know, I was like, uh, what's going on? He goes, oh, you know, he's kind of hanging in there. I, I don't know. I just didn't know what to he do. He was out of jail at the time? Yeah, he had yeah. gotten out of jail. And uh, and I was just like, okay, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. It was very strange. Um, yeah, very strange encounter indeed. Um, it was, what was it like when he passed? Um, I didn't even find out um, until like three or four months afterwards. And uh, I feel bad saying this, but I had no No emotions. Yeah, it was really, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, it's all, I I always find it interesting when, uh, when you lose someone who there's, you know, extreme emotional or, or traumatic past tied to them, um, especially if it's a parent or someone who's been in a parent role that question of how do you actually feel, you know, is it, is it a grieving loss? Is it being torn between the two or is it this strange, strange sense of relief or freedom and maybe not being comfortable with that because it's the quote unquote wrong way to feel about it. Yeah. So it's, um, I know a few people who have gone through some pretty, um, you know, a loss of a parent who their, their whole history with their parent is, is very, sorted and uh you know there's a lot of pain tied to that and it's it's just interesting watching what they go through and trying to be there and support them you know especially privately because they feel like they can't actually feel the way that they really feel outwardly because people might judge them for it or start asking questions that they're not maybe ready to answer openly you know yep yep exactly wow um i don't honestly like i don't even know I don't even know where to go with this because it's like, I just, I keep, I keep finding myself back in, you know, like putting myself into your story, which obviously I can't even come close to doing, but it's, it's not, I've talked to other people on this show who have had the bankruptcy or the homelessness story, but once, 
you know, and this one keeps repeating or it, excuse me, it has kept repeating and it's done mm-hmm. now. Um, and we just, hope. yeah, <laughs> dude, it's, it's done. It's done. If nothing else, like you can, uh, you can be a stunt double for the, um, the duck dynasty guys with your, yeah, beard. there you go. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, I don't even know if the show's still on, but I'm sure, uh, Gastandon, um, since this is not on video of people who can see in the, the show notes, like you have, uh, this amazing epic beard. It's, it's not quite ZZ top. It's more, no. it's more duck dynasty level, <laughs> yeah. like mid, mid peck. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> um, but I just, I do keep coming back to this point about the, the man that you seem to be. And obviously I only know you from my interactions with you and what I've seen of you otherwise, but it rings pretty true. It rings pretty genuinely. Um, and I guess we all have these choices in moments, uh, or experiences like the ones you've had. Um, you know, like you, you said, you said something that was like 20 minutes ago, but, um, I never wanted anyone to feel that way ever. And you know, you mm. really paused and, and made a point of that word ever. And it's so interesting to me, people who have, who, who are at the hands of someone else and suffer a trauma um, or a hardship. And they seem to go, it's a fork in the road and you, you seem to go one extreme or the other. You know, people who were raised in an abusive situation often will also become abusers or they're so completely opposed to it and fight against it so hard and are so uncomfortable at the slightest notion of it. You know, you don't see people who are sort of in the middle or, or it's just not really an issue. Um, same thing with, you know, substance abuse or, um, it's, it's just interesting to me that why do some people go down one side or the other? And I'm curious if you've had any reflection, because you've got a couple of things in your backstory that are these, you know, these, these creators of forks in the road and you always pick the path of better. I'm really curious about that. Or at least in hindsight, you seem to tell that story, right? I think lately I've picked the path of better. Right, right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more thoughtful and considerate of what my actions will do to affect others. Um, whereas before I was a lot more selfish in, in, in a negative way. Um, mm. I wanted to give me the money and I'll go out and play and do whatever I want. What makes Jamie happy? And I, I think um, what made me happy at the time. And I think what I've learned through um, masterminds, um, uh, friends, uh, my girlfriend is I've really, I've, I'm, and I'm still continue to learn. Holy cow. I, I, I learn every day, but humility is something that's really big in, mm. in my life right now. And something I was talking about on one of my, one of my recent, uh, podcasts, um, the guest name is escaping me right now and I, please forgive me, but, um, I, I will try to remember it, but he said something about, um, humility and being humble. Have you ever felt, Brian, like if someone does something to you, you're like, man, that guy, what a jerk that guy is. Have you ever said anything like that? No, I've absolutely never, never in my life said anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think uh, once, maybe twice. Yeah. 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 Or, or honk the horn at somebody when you're driving in traffic because sure. they, or you've sped up behind them when they pull out instead of like, right. You Teach them a lesson right? that, yeah, I'm going to ride the back of their car. So they learn yeah. never to pull out in front of me again. Right. But so like, and maybe somebody is being mean to you and you're like, man, what a jerk. Um, and he said, he goes, 
goes, next time you say that, really think about it. Did Is it you that may be in the jerk for them to act that way? And I thought, wow, what a unique perspective. Who started it? Yeah. Like, are you having a bad day? And maybe, maybe they, you know, read off of that. Yeah. And maybe it was something that you did that made them react negatively. Interesting. I just thought, I just thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Personal responsibility. Um, there's a, there's a notion I talk about around, um, this idea from Buddhism of happiness seeking. And it's, it's the notion that like everyone is ultimately just out for their own happiness. They don't just do something to cause you pain. There's got to be something in it for them, you know, like, and, and it, it doesn't mean it's their happiness is without cost or it's purely good for the world, but that's why they're doing it is they want to be better off. Mm. And, you know, sometimes that means your happiness is, is reduced. Like if there's one cookie left, we can't both have it without one of us losing. Um, yeah. And, right. Uh, we can split it in half. Right. Well, that, that's absurd. <laughs> Uh, but then I'd still want the other half. So I'm going to, I'm going to feel some loss. We both end up with less happiness. Um, no, but it's when you start to look at it like that, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic. I, I I'm always reminded of the Truman show. You know, it's like the whole world doesn't exist around you as the main character. Although we may feel that way. Like that, that person didn't cut you off. Like they didn't get on the road that day and they're like, all right, where's Brian? I got to find his car because that's I'm supposed to cut him off today. It's like, no, he's for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to be one car ahead and that was going to make him happier or better off or whatever. You just happen to be the car that he wanted to get ahead of. And, you know, and and just like you're unhappy now because you're further back. You wanted to be one car ahead and now you're not. So it's like when you start to look at it that way, it's a little bit less like they're doing this to me and more like, no, we're all just, you know, animals out here trying to make ourselves happier. And sometimes that comes at the cost of one of the other players in the show. Exactly. And, and by the way, um, the gentleman I was referencing was Dan Rockwell. Okay. From, uh, leadership freak. Um, yeah, he, I, I, I just wanted to put that, put that thought with a name because, uh, yeah, give him credit for it. Yeah. Oh, it's really interesting. Someone said to me, uh, traffic is a team sport like it's it's not us against them it's we all have to work together or we lose and when you start seeing it as you know you're all competing with each other and there have to be winners and losers then you get into gridlock and road rage and certain fingers start getting raised and lots of other fun stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway so you're right you didn't you didn't always choose the right path but it's what i'm getting at is sort of like the man you are today you know, reflection, growth, all that, you have clearly come down a successive set of the better forks for who you've been now. Yeah. It just took me a lot longer than most people to get there. <laughs> and how do you, so how do you rectify that? So, you know, being this, this kind, gracious person, um, what do you do when you look back at your own behaviors and choices and, and how do you, you know, sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's a question about self-love really. It's like, where do you stand on yourself? Are you in judgment or are you understanding? How, how do you rectify the, the way that your path played out? Ooh, uh, that's great. That's a heavy, powerful question. Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, it, I'm, I'm careful to, I'm, I should say I'm more careful in making decisions today than I have ever been. Um, I still have a lot of doubt 
in who I am as a person and what my abilities are. And mm. um, it's easy for negativity uh, to bring me down still. Mm. Um, so I do fight with that uh, through, I, I don't know if I fight with it, but maybe I struggle with it in the fact that I try to, I, I, I try to see the positive in everything. Yeah. Um, and I also, at the same time, am very quick to uh, shoo away negativity, um, whether that's um, a person. Um, I'm very quick to to just get that out of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I used to not do that, I was afraid of what someone might think. Um, where I still am today, don't get me wrong, I'm still affected. So yeah. You know, someone says something negative to me, it hurts. Sure. Um, but but I've, I've really learned to surround myself with a lot more people that can give me constructive criticism, but in a powerfully um, positive way. Mm. Do you think that you're less good doing that for yourself than for those around you in terms of accepting the positive and shooing away the negative? Mm. Yeah, it's it's much easier to give praise to someone else than to myself. Yeah. Um but the, but that's where the whole good part of selfishness comes into play. Mm. And I'm really trying to embrace that. I and I try to share that with people. Like it's okay to be selfish. Um it, because that's who that's who we are um naturally. Um but you want to take that selfishness and and turn that around and do good things with whatever it is you're able to obtain, whatever success looks like to you. And success could be personal, could be business, could be anything, whatever that is. Is it a good relationship? Is it um, doing good business? Is it, um, you know, is it, is it picking up trash in your neighbor's yard? Is it whatever, whatever success means to you could be little or big. Um, you have to first be selfish in order to get there so that you're able to get there and, and do th- something positive for someone else. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so look, we started this whole thing with this notion of being selfish in, in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's a word that has a negative connotation, but it doesn't have to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be self valuing. It's okay to take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's someone was saying, you know, it's, it's like they say on a, a flight, um, you know, secure your mask before you help someone else. Exactly. You, you, can't, you can't. I, as a parent, I don't know that I still would do that, but um, I hear it. Well, I hear it every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. If I pass out, I can't help my kid. But well, you remember as a little kid that you're, yeah. you're, Mom, if you were sitting in the front seat with your mom or dad driving, they slap on the brakes and they put their arm across you like that's going to yeah. stop you. Right. But um, but yeah, it's 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 just one of those things I think that needs to be continually worked on. Yeah. Um, Jamie, this is awesome. What, is there anything that we're not hitting on that you're like, you know, this is such a key thing for how I came through this process? I feel like we got pretty deep, but I don't want to miss if there's some jewel out there that you think we're not touching on. Sure yeah, and it. I sure I sure hope that people can be happy about this conversation and, and not sad. Um, I definitely don't want anybody to feel sorry, but I hope that they can take uh, if they can take one thing out of this. Hopefully they 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 say, hey, my, my life isn't really that bad. 
Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have a lot worse lives than, than me. A lot bigger challenges. Um, but uh, this is this is real. This is who I am, and and hopefully um, people can can say, you know, heck, there's it's 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 all about uh, mindset and uh, surrounding yourself with good people. And whenever you get into a funk, hopefully you have someone that you can go to um, and talk things out because. Being an entrepreneur, um, and a lot of us are, being a business leader, um, it can be lonely. Um, uh, and so, and, and when I say lonely at the top, I'm not meaning at the, at the top of your game, but you, you, it's, it's something you cannot confide. Uh, there's a lot of things you can't confide in your staff, um, but you can confide in, in close friends. So I, I would suggest that if someone were to take this away, um, get that group, a two, three, four, five person group that that you can just call at any time with any challenges that'll be there for you and offer some, some uh, positive remarks and, and build you back up. I think that's really important. And, and fortunately I have that. Um, so I'm very thankful to my mastermind group. I'm very thankful to have uh, my girlfriend that loves me so much. And I think that has had a lot to do with it because we can't do it all on our own. We just can't. We're social. That's human beings are, are, are built for social. Yeah, that's really good advice. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and it's easy to do today. There's so many different ways, whether it's in person or remote or whatever. There's yeah. so many different ways we can build those groups and, and mix and match the, the methods as well. So um, true. Yeah, no, really good advice. Jamie, what, what are ways people can get more of your brilliance, your graciousness, um, your lessons, and, and, uh, and also your business? Because we all bottleneck ourselves at least a little bit we can get some help with that. So where, where can people follow what you're up to? Well, you can always go to bottleneck.online. That's, that's the company. Um, you can see what we're doing there. Um, hopefully uh, you can see that we are, our team is amazing. Our team is full of love. We have an incredible culture and uh, I would, I'm, I'm happy to share that with anybody. Um, if they ever want to chat with me, uh, feel free. Um, I'd be happy to just talk with them and, and help them along. Uh, if they're looking to grow their business, uh, you can grow your business in a good, strong, loving, caring, uh, leading with kindness way. And uh, that's, you know, that's, I, I just love that. I have a huge, strong passion for culture. And that's my podcast, um, Culture Each Strategy. It was inspired by the late, great Peter Drucker, yeah. where he wrote the book Culture Each Strategy for Breakfast. So we have that show on there. We talk all about culture. And it's just really neat to hear all these different leaders um, talk about what they've done, unique situations and things like that, to where they've embraced kindness to grow their companies. And it's just fantastic to see there's more and more people out there that get it like that. And, uh, I, you know, so that, those are a couple different ways that you can connect. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and we'll link to all that so that people can find you and, uh, and see what you're all about. And yeah, I mean, the, the podcast is a no brainer. People should be listening to that. It's great stuff. Jamie, you are awesome. I'm so, I'm so thankful to have gotten to, to share your story out with people and frankly, to, to hear much more of it than obviously than I've heard before, um, and I'm, I'm a little bit blown away to the point of speechlessness here and there. So I'm sorry for anyone who thinks like, where's the host? Um, but I, I think, I think we got into some really good depth. So thank you for being, as you said, like embracing vulnerability, right? Mm, yeah. 
yeah, it's a, it's a big step, but it's freeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's a better way to live once you get comfortable with it. Sure is. Um, are you comfortable embracing the closing with me? Yes. You ready to do it? Yes. Cool. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you. Is Jamie the best or is Jamie the best? I'm not giving you any choices here. He's the best. He's awesome. Such a great human being. I'm so thankful to have gotten the chance to share him with all of you. The humbleness, the peace, the sense of giving back to others and structuring his life around that theme has allowed him to find stability that he didn't have before. This notion that he brings out in the intro clip that I played at the start of this whole episode, embracing vulnerability and being selfish with self-care, thats I think that's something a lot of us struggle with. The sense of putting yourself first in some cases or putting your needs into that list of priorities doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you able to keep giving to others. So it's, it's a neat take from someone who clearly is very humble and very giving that he's also very focused on what he needs to be able to be that way. Really powerful stuff. So check Jamie out, jamie-j.com, and uh, you absolutely should listen to his podcast. If you're in the business world, thinking about startups, trying to thrive in business, it's a great place to turn, and that's uh, Culture Eats Strategy. <laughs> Such a great title. It's very true. Culture is ultimately all that matters. Strategies change. Strategies can be uh, dormant or they can be just like made irrelevant by the changing world and, and the changing dynamics. But if your culture is that susceptible to being beat down, your culture is not powerful enough. So having the right culture trumps everything else. Culture eats strategy. Think about it. All right, everyone, I am going to sign off, but not without the obligatory reminder. I need you to subscribe. I need you to share the show with people you know and care about, maybe people who are struggling, maybe people who are empowered. The more this word goes around, the more the message goes around, the more people that are impacted, I mean, that's that's all I can ask for, and I need your help to get there. I can only do so much of my own, but I will continue to do that much. I will continue to put the episodes out and put my heart into it, and if you appreciate that, I would appreciate you helping get the word around. More lives to change every day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me, for giving your time and taking this message in, not just on behalf of Jamie, on behalf of me, on behalf of everyone who's given their time to being a part of this show. So with that, remember, today is a new day. Put yourself first when you need to, so you have the tools you need to have to be able to be there for others as you go out and do it. Take care.